Welcome to Embrace the Musica, where we're going to dig into the raw, vulnerable, tough, and beautiful pieces of this journey called life. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru, and we met salsa dancing 10 years ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today raising two lovely tricultural kids. We speak more Spanish than English in our home and do a lot of salsa dancing in the kitchen. Embrace the Musica is going to be a place where we talk about what it's like being married to someone from a completely different culture, living in a place that neither of us grew up in, being a working mom, constantly fighting or accepting cultural norms, and all the things that keep us afloat, which includes a lot of heart and humility. So let's embrace the Musica today. Hi everybody, welcome back to Embrace the Musica. We took a little break last week as we were back in the States for a couple weeks just spending some time with family. And speaking of family, I'm so excited about today's guest because for the first time, I've invited a family member onto the podcast today. Dr. Michelle Dines is my sister-in-law. She is married to my older brother, Travis. So I have known her now for probably 23 years or so. She and my brother just celebrated their 22nd wedding anniversary uh, this past month. And it's just such an honor to have her on. I love hearing um, just her thoughts on life and just all the things she's been up to over the last 20 years of her career. She's done a lot of different things. So Michelle, I would love for you just to introduce yourself a little bit, talk about your career, how it has changed, how you went from you know, moving cross country to moving internationally, and just all the things. So welcome. Thanks, Michelle, for being here today. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Dom. I'm really excited to talk to you and to share, you know, some of the journey I've had. So I went to uh, an undergrad school with a nursing major, came out of undergraduate as a nurse and worked for a year before going on to graduate school to become a nurse midwife. Um, That became kind of my passion, I would say, for the next decade, um, providing healthcare to women, um, adolescent girls um, in pregnancy, um, gynecologic care, and um, kind of through the lifespan. So that that was my first real career. And um, part part way through that career, I started to become interested in doing global international work. So I started volunteering with a nurse midwifery um, group that did global work to try to reduce maternal mortality in uh, low resource countries. Um, So I I began to start taking time off from um, my regular job and spending a month abroad doing um, focus more specifically on training and and helping to increase the awareness of maternal mortality and the causes and and how to respond to those problems. Um, And slowly but surely, I started to um, focus away from clinical work within the U.S. and take more of a public health perspective. And that's when we decided to move our family to Atlanta, where I could do a PhD with focused on um, global maternal and newborn health. So that brought us across the country um, to the to southern U.S. and we were there for about ten years. Um, after I did my PhD, I 
applied for a fellowship called the Epidemic Intelligence Service, which stands, we call it EIS. And it's kind of like uh, uh, responding to outbreaks. And um, we usually say it's like the CIA, but for um, epidemics or pandemics, as we're, uh, you know, dealing with now. But that was a two-year fellowship, I, which got me into the door at CDC. And I continued my work in global um, reproductive health and maternal newborn health. And then eventually um, applied for a CDC job um, with an international organization and moved to Bangkok, Thailand about um, seven months ago. So here we are. Uh, no, I find it fascinating. I mean, I've been able to watch your journey unfold over all these years. And I just love seeing how you've really been able to follow your passion, Michelle, um, how doors have opened, how you've had all these new experiences. I mean, I know it hasn't all been easy and there've definitely been some hiccups along the way. It sure has. <laughs> um, but that being said, can you tell us a little bit about why you and I get to hang out this month in Minnesota and you know, why you were there seven months on your own? Sure. So. You know, everyone puts a lot of effort into planning and, and we've planned the last year out as well as we could. But of course, we're impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. So we had planned to have me move to Thailand ahead of the family um, in December. And then when the kids finished the school year, my husband and the three kids would move to Thailand. Unfortunately, they were unable to come in May as expected because of the pandemic and um, kept getting postponed their flights coming into Thailand until eventually I decided I would come back to the US at least to visit. And then with the hope of all of us returning to Thailand together as soon as flights um, are available. So it's been pretty complicated. It was a long time to spend away from them. But we were, you know, we made that decision to try to uh, kind of in, improve the situation for the kids, at least from an academic perspective so that they wouldn't have to move mid school year. But of course, now it's causing lots of issues as they're going to be online for school uh, with an international school in Thailand from the United States. So uh, plans aside, <laughs> hopefully it will go okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough six to seven months for you guys just, you know, with plans changing so suddenly day to day, and ultimately not knowing what's going to happen or when flights are going to open up again. And I know, you know, 2020 has been a hard year for so many people just with plans being interrupted and just not really knowing, you know, what to expect or when to expect anything. So thinking about your career, you know, that has brought you across the country, you've been able to follow your passion and really have different doors open for you and just awesome opportunities along the way. I'm curious, how did you find that work and home life balance raising kids? Yeah. Well, still following your passions. I mean, I can't believe my niece and nephews are high schoolers already. Yeah, you know, it hasn't been easy. And I give pretty much all of the credit to Travis, my husband, because when we were beginning to start our family, we had we were both looking for um, jobs after our master's degree. And we just decided, you know, whoever would get the first job, the other person would stay home 
um, as a stay-at-home parent, at least um, until our kids were in school. So I had gotten uh, my first midwifery job at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and um, Travis then became the stay-at-home parent um, for the next probably seven years until our youngest was school age. So his support has been amazing, and there's just no way I could have moved forward in my own career without him. Um, there, I travel a lot with my job, and that can be a real challenge um, if you have two working parents. And so having the flexibility that we've had when Travis was a stay-at-home dad was just really ideal because um, even when I was a midwife being up on call through the night, it was really nice to know that you know, I had someone at home with the kids and um, I could sleep when I came home in the morning. So, yeah, it's it's really challenging. People often ask, you know, how do you do it? And I'm not even sure I recommend it, um, except to say that if you just feel like you have a passion for something, I, I do think it helps your kids to see that you have a passion you know, outside of the family, you know, not a bigger passion, obviously, than your love and care for the children and for the family, but that you can strive for those things as an adult, even when you're married, even when you have kids, you can keep moving forward professionally. And um, I think that's another take home message is when I graduated with my midwifery degree, I really thought I was going to be a clinical midwife, you know, for the rest of my career. I honestly did. And it wasn't that that passion ever really went away. It just evolved. And I think people coming out of um, graduate school or coming out of undergraduate school should just keep an open mind because your career can really grow and evolve in ways that you just can't anticipate. And you just have to be open to the adventure that, um, is in front of you. I love that message, Michelle. And I would definitely echo a lot of the things you said. And I love how you bring up the point or the um, part that you and Travis really made that decision as a family and as a couple that, you know, that was what was going to work for you in this season or throughout the different seasons in life. And I think that's so important to remember um, just how valuable it is to really be on the same page with your spouse and your family. And that being said, it's not easy. Like, I know this has been hard. You know, whether it's hard for you as a mom being away from your children while you've been traveling or working over the years, or whether it's hard for Travis being home with the kids and managing all the schedules and carpooling and all of that. Like, it's hard. And there's no magic formula that, you know, makes this easier. So that being said, I would love to know what sort of advice that you would give other couples because I know that you and Travis really are a team. As I mentioned in the intro, you're, you just celebrated 22 years of marriage. You guys are still you know, best friends. And as my big brother and sister, I look up to you so much in the you know, ways you parent, um, just ways you value things and think about things. And also just seeing you and Travis, you know, with your relationship and how you value each other so much. I would just say that being in the times where we have been away from each other and and that obviously is very um, challenging, I think you you do learn to appreciate each other more. Um, 
versus, you know, kind of the in and out every day being the same, you know, for years on end. We've really had a very evolving life together. And the times that we've had apart has, I think, in a lot of ways, strengthened our relationship. Um, we, we've always tended to be on the same page in terms of parenting. And so I think that's really important. So if I'm gone and I'm going to miss something, I know he's going to fulfill that role, that parenting role, you know, with the kids in the way I would, or in a similar way, at least. So I think you just need to have a strong foundation to begin with, um, to be able to get through those times when you're um, not able to be in each other's company as often as you would like. Yeah, no, that's so good and so true. And speaking of raising your children, I am just so proud of my niece and nephews. And I like I've said before, I can't believe they're high schoolers already. And I have just loved seeing how they have blossomed and matured so much, especially this last year um, through, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and just seeing how they've become activists and they're, you know, passionate and speaking up and really just turning into such wonderful human beings and adults who care about other people. So those of us with younger kids, Michelle, what sort of advice could you give us just to help raise our kids to do the same and to care about others and to speak up? Yeah, so I have to admit, I I didn't know they had that side to them <laughs> until this year. That's That's the honest truth. You know, until your kids are put in a situation to show their maturity, you you really don't know. And I think a combination of the COVID-19 pandemic um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, it really brought out sides of them that I am so incredibly proud of. Um, kind of the, act, as you said, the activism side, the, the passion I see in them when they talk about um, the activists' um, activities, they've been not only protesting, um, you know, with masks on, um, with thousands of other people day in and day out, walking miles and miles every day, um, but they've been doing cleanups of the city. They have been calling legislators to um uh, tried to get legislation passed to improve the criminal justice system. I think the you know the list goes on and on, but to see their passion is has been probably the most remarkable aspect of my life. Um, and I, you know, I on Father's Day I was try I was in Bangkok and family still in Atlanta, and I was trying to think of what to post for Travis, and I. I was looking back through old pictures and I found this picture from, I think, 2007 or 2008. And it's of the three kids. They were really little, maybe three, um, four and five or something about that. And they had um, protest signs and they were pro uh, signs of MLK um, during his um, remarkable you know, tenure as a civil rights leader. And they had been doing a march in uh, Minnesota with Travis on a day that I was working. And it was, you know, in celebration of MLK and all of the, um, 
all of the improvements that have come to pass as a result of, of his life and his work. And I just thought, well, of course, our three teenagers have grown into these people, you know, they, they were out there doing that, you know, whether they fully understood at that, at that age or not, they, they understood that's part of democracy and part of your um, identity as an American is to be able to speak up when you see things that are wrong and to fight for people who um, may not have the voice that you have. And so I know I just posted that picture because I just thought it's because of, you know, a good portion of it is because of Travis and because he had um, the passion, you know, to bring them out to do that at a young age. Yeah, for sure. And I totally can see that, you know, how Travis's example and passion has definitely played into that. But I can't help but also think, Michelle, that, you know, having your career and having your kids see that and see you chase after your goals and speak up and you know, really pursue noble causes and helping others, that's also, I think, just played a huge role in helping them be more aware of the world around them. Yeah, I hope so. You know, it's, I think when, if I was going to be talking to parents out there who have younger children, I would just say, don't shy away from having difficult conversations. Of course, anything you say to your children needs to be age appropriate, but there are ways to talk to them about difficult topics, you know, whether it's about slavery or um, the civil rights movement or about um, Native Americans and what happened, you know, when the United States was colonized by Europeans. I think all of those conversations are part of our history whether our specific ancestors took part or not, it doesn't matter. It's our shared collective history. And it is our job as parents to not shield our children from that, but to help them understand it so they can be more, um, they can be better citizens of the country and better global citizens. No, yeah, I love that, Michelle. And I think that's really well said. Something else that I really admire about you is not only your parenting style or your, you know, the relationship goals and all of that, but those of us who know you, Michelle, we know that you have a go-getter attitude. And we know that over the years, you've been a little bit competitive. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a little bit. But that being said, Michelle, um, you really do set high goals. You go after them, whether it's your athletic aspirations. I know you talk about, you know, having those hard conversations with your kids about important things, but you're also setting so many examples by even despite the challenges that maybe life has given you, you just continue trying new things, setting new goals, and really going after hard things. So can you talk to us a little bit about what it, like, how do you keep going? Where do you get that spark to, you know, keep trying new things, keep challenging yourself, and really just not giving up? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think, honestly, it's just like a character trait I have, Um, you know, that, in internal competitivism is not doesn't come externally for me it comes internally and so if i see someone else do something you know i'm probably the first to think well why am i not doing that and how can i how can i reach that goal um and i think um i know you mentioned you know some of the challenges i've faced well one of the challenges is that I was born without my right foot. 
And because it wasn't something that happened to me, you know, at some point in my life, it just was who I was from the beginning. You know, I'd, I've never thought of that as being an obstacle. And in fact, I don't think it really impacts like running or athletics so much. Um, and maybe some people would use that as an excuse not to do something. Um, but for me, it it was just who I am and didn't really come into consideration. I think the only thing I, I really couldn't do that I would have wanted to do was to be a dancer, you know, like ballet, you just need to have two feet, you know, but um, otherwise, yeah, I've never thought of it as being like, should I do that? Or no, it might might be too difficult because of that. You know, I, um, I, I think it's just my um, personality to want to reach towards difficult things and to, um, to get to those goals. I, I, it makes me feel like I have a purpose and I'm moving forward and working towards something. And, and even though I've done a lot of, you know, I've done marathons and other types of races and an Ironman. Yeah, I did an Ironman. I, I do. I do like to remind people I did it very slowly, um, <laughs> which is true. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And several marathons. <laughs> I have. And but like with the Ironman, that was a unique situation. And I and I did that actually for my sister because she was having health issues. And that just gave me so much purpose. And it gave us an opportunity to like love and support each other. Um, we lived far apart then. Um, just like we do now. And it it gave us a reason to be in contact regularly. She would ask about my training and then she was there for the race. So um, I, I can, I think I can find meaning in just about anything as long as, you know, it feels like something, like a goal I can reach. Yeah. And you've definitely motivated the rest of us just by watching you. We may not be doing Ironmans and as many marathons or anything, but it's just been a joy to watch you push yourself over the years. And for the listeners, in case you didn't catch on, Michelle and I are both in Minnesota right now because of the pandemic. We've overlapped a few weeks, which wasn't planned. And although it wasn't planned, it's just been so much fun because Michelle and I have been going on walks with Travis a lot every morning. I'm just getting to talk. We wear our masks. We're keeping social distance. We're being safe. But it's just been such a blessing because we really, you know, as she mentioned, she and her sister lived far apart. You know, I've lived far apart from Travis and Michelle since they got married. And so we use apps like Marco Polo and social media, but really getting to spend that face-to-face -face time with someone is so special. So Michelle, I've just loved the time we really have got to spend together. And one of the beautiful parts of your story and your journey, Michelle, is that you and Travis decided to adopt two of your three children. I know we have listeners who are considering adoption who are in the process already. Can you just talk to us a little bit about what that process or what that journey was like for you as a family? Sure. So Travis and I, even I think before we got married, had decided we would have one child and then adopt after that. And that came, I think that perspective came to us um, slightly differently. Mine came when I was traveling in India um, as an undergraduate and you know, you just become so much more aware of the struggles, you know, around the world when you see um, so many children on the streets, you know, whether or not they had parents, it's hard to say, but when you just see that the desperation that exists in the world. And so for me, that 
I immediately thought, oh, I want to adopt, you know, someday. And so that was really the impetus for my um, decision. And then Travis, you know, as you know, he's kind of an environmentalist and his perspective was, uh, well, there are children in the world who don't have parents and there are parents who want to be or, you know, couples who want to be parents. So why not? Um reduce the, you know, the population of the world um, and um, just become a family that way. So while we had kind of different perspectives, we both appreciated and understood each other's and, and it really was just the perfect solution for us. Yeah, well, and I am so happy. I know we all are. I can't imagine our life without all three of your children. <laughs> yeah, well, they bring so much, you know, I mean, we could have had three of our own and perhaps we would have had a wide variety of personalities, but perhaps not. You know, I, I, I think when, when I think of my two younger children, I think how blessed we are to have them in our lives, their personalities, you know, everything about them, because we would not have had that. And yeah, so we, we, we feel so lucky. Uh -huh. Well, I do too. So thinking about, you know, wrapping this up a little bit, just can you tell us a little bit about your decision to move abroad? I mean, you and Travis moved from Minnesota to Atlanta 10 years ago, and you really established a life in Atlanta. And then you sort of felt this nudge to go abroad and try life, you know, internationally or globally, however you want to say it. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. They have either been living abroad for many years. Maybe they're just starting out their journey. Uh, you've also, I mean, you've been there on your own for seven months in Bangkok right now. Can you just tell us, like, how has that been, the first six months of that experience? What have you learned about community? I don't know if you want to tell us a, or tell the listeners about your biking incident, but I think it really speaks to the community that you have found abroad. Sure. Um you know, we really wanted this experience for the kids, not only for ourselves, but also for the kids. Because when you go, grow up, let's say, in a town where you go to school, the same school system, you know, through high school, you go to a college that's not that far away or not that different from kind of the demographics of your own um, part of your state, I think you it's hard to know what you don't know, right? And and by expanding our kids' experiences of the world, you know, moving to Thailand not only gives them the Thai experience, it gives them the experience of traveling to um, Indonesia or traveling to Cambodia, you know, so many places that it's easy to travel, you know, around the Southeast Asia region. Um, and so gaining the pers that perspective, I think, is so important to understand, you know, just to help them develop their own understanding of the world and their place in the world. Um, and in terms of my experiences so far, Yes, you mentioned the biking incident. So um, as, as I am an avid exerciser, I was biking and I um, had a bicycle accident and broke my wrist. But I have to tell you that within seconds, literally seconds of crashing my bike, I had probably five different people stop to help um, in our little community in Thailand. And um, they picked up my bike, they gave me a ride, they took me to the emergency room, they followed up. And, and then I even had people bringing me food. Um, and one particular neighbor bringing me food um, for lunch and dinner for an entire week. And, you know, it 
Yeah, it's so amazing. And you just, when you live in a quote expat kind of um, within that type of environment, I think what you realize is, is that people come and go, but because they understand the experience of living away from family and of friends that it becomes a tighter community and uh, a really much more supportive community than what you might experience in the U.S. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I've said that over and over again over the years, uh, being, you know, in Guadalajara now for 13 years, you know, whenever I post things like pictures or posts of, you know, pre-COVID days when we were, you know, getting together with our community all the time, or even when we had COVID and like our community just showed up um, in so many different ways for us. And it's just, you realize how much you value, you know, other people, because really your friends turn into family when you live abroad. And um, I'm, yeah, and I'm just so excited for you guys as you're just on the brink of this new adventure. And I also know, you know, with all the ups and downs you mentioned, uh, just not even knowing exactly when you're going to be able to go back, waiting for flights to open and all of that. I know it's been tumultuous and stressful and you've lost some sleep over this. Um, but we all know, or I know that, you know, it's going to be a great experience for everyone yeah. eventually. And, and so we can't wait for you to come and visit. <laughs> I know I got to like save up some miles yeah. or like save up some money here um, to get over there. But no, we would love to come visit. I've never been on that side um, of the world before. It's so really I, amazing. So <laughs> I know you will love it. I know. Well, you've sold me. Don't, don't worry. I definitely, we, we want to make it over there for sure. Um, kind of as we wrap up, Michelle, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners today um, about your journey? Um, yeah, I think just the last thing is just don't be afraid to have new experiences and to step out of your comfort zone. Um, I think that um, people tend to surround them by people that they're most comfortable with. And each time you take a step outside of that comfort zone, there's just so much to learn from and so much to gain personally um, that it's it's well worth the effort. Oh, well, thank you so much, Michelle, for taking the time today just to talk about your journey, your experiences. I can't wait to share this with listeners. And I really hope that we make it to Thailand sooner rather than later. Yeah, thanks so much, Dom. No, you're welcome. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode and if you were encouraged by the message, I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot and post it to Instagram and tag me so that we can keep growing together. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica.